0: Listening to the X Zone Radio Show live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network and X Zone Broadcast Network. Visit our website at www.xzoneradiotv.com. Welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and yes, we're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network and on the Exxon Broadcast Network, and our growing family of broadcast affiliates right across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Australia. Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. If you'd like to give us a call, XONation, as always, toll free worldwide, 1 800 610 7035. My email address, XZone at com. On MSN Messenger, XONERADIOTV at hotmail.com. And our website, com. My guest this hour is Dr. Melvin Kirshner, MD, and he is the author of a very interesting book entitled, Medicines Are Poison, Making Your Way Through the Medical Minefield. Now, after medical training at the University of Southern California and the Los Angeles County General Hospital, Dr. Kirshner entered medical practice in the San Fernando Valley as a family physician. In 1961, there were very few doctors with his public health experience. This soon led to the volunteering in various health-related programs, such as the Regional Medical Disaster Program, the Red Cross Disaster and Blood Program, the Home Health Association, Visiting Nurse Association, Hospice, several committees on biomedical issues, Advisor to the California Health Law Revision Committee, Single Prayer Health Care for All, Physicians for a National Health Plan, California Physicians Alliance, and other health-related activities. He has also written numerous articles, letters, and op-ed pieces, and appeared on radio, television, and lectured on health care issues at many venues. Recently retired from medical practice, he continues to volunteer for many health oriented community programs. This book is a collection of essays by Dr. Kirshner regarding some of the many unresolved healthcare, pharmaceutical, and insurance issues that his patients have shared with him during his 47 years of family medical practice. In this book, All Medicines Are Poison, Dr. Melvin Kirshner, MPH, MD, sets out to remove the fog of confusion that clouds the landscape patients that are required to navigate in their search for health care today. This book describes the risks and benefits associated with use of medicines and explores the validity of other treatment modalities referred to as complementary and alternative medicine, or CAM. He discusses the numerous failings and backroom dealings in the pharmaceutical and insurance industries and highlights possible solutions to many of these current concerns. Dr. Kirshner has had extensive career in healthcare field. He has championed... um. Patients' rights throughout his career, as one of the key physicians instrumental in the enactment of the first biomedical ethical guidelines in the world, he has always strived for close doctor-patient relationships where the patient's concerns always come first. Exon Radio Nation, on the other side of this commercial break in two minutes, my guest this hour is Dr. Melvin Kirshner, MPH, MD, and we're talking about his book, medicines are poison making your way through the medical minefield his website www.allmedicinesarepoison.com i'll be back on the other side of this two minute commercial break as the exome continues from our studios in hamilton ontario canada by the way exonation if you'd like the latest news on the power gators tv series and if you'd like to see who has joined us officially on the power gators team we're starting to put up their names At www.paragators.org, click on Power Gators Team. You'll be surprised to see who we've got on our team. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue live from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away.
1: What a drag it is getting old Hey,
0: quiet! Quiet! Welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Dr. Melvin Kirshner is our very special guest. And first of all, Dr. Kirshner, welcome to the Exxon. Congratulations on your new book. Thank you. Um, Why do you believe, doctor, that our healthcare system is in, and this is a quote, a sorry state?
2: Well, of course, I'm speaking about the United States.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I have relatives in Canada who don't have the problems we have. Uh, The sorry state is the fact that, number one, it's the most expensive system in the world, about twice as much as is in every other country. Number two, there are 45,000 people in the United States that have no insurance whatsoever Mm -hmm. and uh, often don't react to their illnesses until it's an emergency wind up in an emergency room or in a hospital and that's the most expensive way to take care of illness.
0: But what about this new health care bill that was just planned? Uh, will, Oba- will Obamacare fix this problem? I
2: doubt it. Uh, Obamacare is a step in the right direction mm-hmm. but it's very slow in in getting to where it's going to get to and uh, it, Gives off, gives away a lot of stuff to the insurance industry and the pharmaceutical industry.
0: So let me ask you this, doctor: What would be an acceptable fix for the failing healthcare system in the U.S.?
2: Well, the seventeen thousand doctors, member including myself, members of the Physicians for a National Health Program, mm-hmm. suggest that we should have a single payer system. In California alone, ninety-five percent of the RNs, the nurses, think we should have a single-payer system. In fact, single-payer system was approved by the California legislature three times. It was vetoed twice by the sitting governor, and we're waiting for a new governor.
0: Why was it vetoed? Uh,
2: Well, that's an interesting story. Uh, Apparently, he was approached by the Insurance companies mm-hmm. and suggested he should veto them. Now I don't know what Schwarzenegger got out of that. But I went to the meeting uh, where he was pushing uh, his system, and uh, it was uh, sponsored by insurance companies, health insurance companies.
0: Doctor, why do you believe all that all medicines are poison?
2: Good question. All medicines are poison. I was just reviewing a list of medicines that have been taken off the market mm-hmm. over the last 10 years or so. I was trained from the very beginning, back in the 50s, that all medicines were poison. Every medicine had some side effects, some of them very rare, mm-hmm. some of them very serious. And uh, when one prescribes a medicine, we were taught to prescribe only medicines where the benefit outweighs the risk. One also has to consider interactions with other drugs where a patient is taking more than one drug. And currently, if one looks at the uh, healthcare section of the current newspaper, you'll find that they're going to talk about dropping still more drugs uh, because of the risky side effects. Uh, A number of uh, children's medicines, such as Tylenol and Robitussin and so on, were either taken off the children's market or placed behind the the pharmacy's desk so that they couldn't be just picked up by parents because of their risks. If the risk outbays uh, the the benefits, you do not take the medicine. If the benefits are so important that you're willing to take the risks, you take a cancer patient, loses their hair, they get nauseated, they vomit, they break out in rashes, and their drugs can even kill them. Mm -hmm. But the cancer will surely kill them. So they take the lesser of the two evils.
0: What do you think of the present pill-popping society that we're in, doctor, and as a a doctor with 47 years of family practice. How do you feel about this?
2: Well, I don't think we should be popping pills. That's uh, the reason we pop so many pills is they're so available Mm -hmm. and so pushy. You can open any magazine in any paper and find that somebody is pushing pills. Some company, some doctor, some person is pushing something, and uh, often there is no actual proof that the uh, pill has any advantage. If you, I had a, a case recently where uh, a while back, where a lady brought a, a, her son in with a cold. Mm-hmm. She wanted a shot of penicillin for him. I said, no, lady, you don't need a shot of penicillin. He, he should take nothing or a mild uh, um, decongestant, she got angry at me, left my office, went down the street to another doctor and got the shot of penicillin. Penicillin is dangerous. It's a wonderful drug. It can save your life but can also kill you with a a reaction. Or you become allergic to it and when you need it, you can't use it.
0: You know, coming into this segment, I I played a song by the Rolling Stones called "Mother's Little Helper," and basically, it's all about uh, uh, I, I pills like Valium that that it seems that parents are taking today. Look, look at the look at the crisis that we have with kids with Ritalin, for goodness' sake! And a lot of people don't realize that Ritalin is in the same pharmacological family as as, as cocaine. Yes, uh, there's a lot of that going on. You know, and I've even heard stories, Doctor, where parents bring their child to a doctor, put the child on Ritalin, and take the Ritalin themselves and not give it to the child.
2: Well, you know, there are some doctors that do that. I have never allowed that to happen in my practice. Uh, I do Oh, my patients always knew that medicines are poison, and when I prescribed, mm-hmm. I limited the use. I told them why they had to take it, and to stop taking it when they didn't need it. There are very few of my patients that stayed on medicines, and if they did, they did so without my approval.
0: So, where, where did society, or how did society, doctor, get into the pill popping society that we are in now? How come doctors are now prescribing? All these different pills, whereas before when you were in practice, or you know, you just wouldn't do it because you know, medicine is poison. So, what happened in society that made all these pills and all this medicine so available?
2: I think it's the advertising. Patients come in with a fixed feeling about that they need a medicine, mm-hmm. and if you open any magazine, any newspaper, any journal. There's uh, advertising. Interestingly enough, the vitamin scam is a huge scam. If you read the current uh, 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 Reader's Digest, the April issue, Mm -hmm. you will notice that the uh, heading is the vitamin scam. And they go through all the vitamins and find that the only vitamins that uh, uh, have proven to be useful for everybody are vitamin D. The rest of them a waste of time and a waste of money. However, if you look at the average ad for vitamins, it's all over the place. Yeah. Take vitamins.
0: So, uh, so
2: Interestingly enough, I'm on uh, the Physician's Health Study uh, offered by Harvard. I've been on them for years. And uh, we take vitamins. They started us with six vitamins. And uh, that was years ago. One by the way, they dropped those vitamins because it was determined that they were of no value. We are only on one vitamin right now. It looks like centrum silver, but it may be a placebo or it may be a real medicine. We don't know, nor should we know. And uh, Harvard is still studying that to see if there's any difference between the placebo group and the people taking the vitamin. In terms of their illnesses and, and health.
0: So, are we to look at Big Pharma as the perpetrators of this dilemma that we're in? I
2: think so. I think they're largely to blame. Uh, and it's a huge, huge uh, income for the uh, uh, companies that uh, get their ads and so mm-hmm. on. Huge income. But and what of the pharmaceutical industry makes a huge income by selling uh, medicines that aren't necessary.
0: Tell me, doctor, what got you started in biomedical ethics?
2: Uh, That's interesting. I was uh, uh, years ago I was uh, uh, when I was still an intern Mm -hmm. um, uh, we had some cases of death and dying And uh, one of the issues was that in those days, there was no law that a doctor could withhold life support. There was no law that said we must give life support. There were no laws regarding that anywhere in the world. Hmm. And um, I had a patient who uh, insisted on us withdrawing life support from her. She was a clear-minded lady. Uh, I said, well, you know, if I take away your your ventilator, and your, she was writing letters notes to me, if I take away the ventilator and the IV and all that, you'll surely die. She said, it's my right, she wrote a letter to me, a note to me, it's my right to uh, live or die, and uh, I authorize you, I require you to take off the ventilator and all these machines, and to not put them back on again. And we did that. Uh, The pulmonologist, the nurses and I were all at the bedside and gave her a mild sedative. She went to sleep and died. It was her choice. That was the beginning of my concerns about the fact that we didn't have any standards. Doctors did Mm -hmm. everything a patient wanted and kept everyone
0: alive. Doctor, stand by. You and I have to take our news break. We'll be right back. ExoNation, Dr. Melvin Kirshner is our very special guest. He's the author of Medicines Are Poison: Making Your Way Through the Medical Minefield. His website is www.allmedicinesarepoison.com. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, here in the Zone. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network and X-Zone Broadcast Network. Visit our website at www.xzoneradiotv.com. Dr. Melvin Kirshner is our special guest explanation. He is the author of Medicines Are Poison, Making Your Way Through the Medical Minefield. His website is www.allmedicinesarepoison.com. Doctor, do you believe that a patient should have the right to say, all right, I've had enough, I want to go peacefully?
2: Uh, Yes, I do. And uh, uh, we now have Laws, especially in the nor- uh, western states, mm-hmm. that permit us to do that without being punished for uh, taking the uh, following the patient's advice and withdrawing or withholding life support. Uh, this was started, by the way, uh, in California. Uh, an old man from a nursing home was sent to an emergency hospital because he was in a comatose state, and the uh, emergency room was very, very busy. So he was placed on a bed and, uh, while the emergency room doctor was busy with others and died. The social worker there felt that that was neglect mm-hmm. and reported it to the Los Angeles County uh, uh, people to uh, that this hospital was in neglect. They created, through the uh, Los Angeles County Health Department, a committee of doctors, lawyers, lay people, other interested people, nurses, etc., to study the issue. We did so for months. Nobody could come to any conclusion. So everybody went their way. The Bar Association, Association and the Medical Association created the Joint comi- Committee. On uh, biomedical ethics, we agitated ourselves and worked for years before we finally came up with a, 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 a recommendation, which later became the law of the state, and that was that it was possible for a patient or a patient's advocate to say, do not resuscitate no CPR, no cardiopulmonary resuscitation, so that we didn't have to keep everybody on ventilators and Mm -hmm. keep a corpse alive. And uh, we could obey them without being sued, which is always an issue.
0: Let's say, doctor, a patient wants to pass on, but a member of the family has power of attorney, and they have given the medical staff, implicit instructions, keep mom, dad, aunt Sue, or uncle Uncle John alive. How does this affect the medical staff when, when they know or if they know that this person is in agony and if they want to go, they should just be able to have the right to pass on it with their integrity?
2: That's where my uh, current job continues and has been for some years. We have the Biomedical Ethics Committee. Mm -hmm. We call a committee meeting, which is doctors, lawyers, nurses, everybody involved with the issue in the hospital, and the family, and we discuss the issues, the pros and cons of what's going on. Very often, we convince the family that, All we're doing is torturing the the dying patient who wants to just let himself go or herself. Occasionally, we have a um, person who will not give us the permission to pull the plug, if you Mm -hmm. want to call that. And if that's true, we don't pull the plug. But eventually, the patient dies. I think that's torture for the patient. And that's still an unresolved issue we have, but that's what happens. Fortunately, it happens seldomly.
0: Has there ever been a time that you're aware of, doctor, where a hospital or a doctor has gone to the courts to have a power of attorney taken away from someone so that the patient can pass on with dignity?
2: No, I don't think I recall any episode of that sort. We usually work through the bioethics committee. And uh whatever comes out of that, mm-hmm. and you know we argue the issue back and forth even after the family has left sometimes for an hour or two, and uh, you do what is has to be done
0: is it because the family just wants to hold on to that to, to their loved one, and that they're not they're not thinking with clarity that once you and the other members of the ethnic board talk to them and and give them the facts of the matter that they changed their minds?
2: Uh, That's only one side of the issue. I'll cite an example where the other side of the issue probably existed. I had a woman and a man, married woman and a man with a son. Mm -hmm. And uh, the husband got very, very sick and eventually died. We let him die. The family let him die. The woman herself was uh, non-compensantive. She was in a state of uh, unconsciousness unconsciousness, and was uh, staying in her house with her son. He uh, hired many different people to take care of her, hospitalized her frequently, and insisted that she be kept alive. In her last... Stay in the hospital, uh, all the associates and doctors who took care of her asked me, why don't you just let this poor soul go? She's comatose. Mm -hmm. She is being kept alive by machines. Just let her go. But the son would not let her go. So when the time came, she resuscitated and died. He sued me. And uh, I spent a day in, uh, in, not in court, but in a conference with the uh, opposing lawyer and mine. And after a day of explanation, I pointed out that we did not allow her to die. She died in spite of every effort to keep her alive, as, you know, everybody's going to die sooner or later. And I was exonerated and not, not fairly uh, bothered with that. The son was living in his mother's and father's home, uh, and I think there had to be some financial purposes in his keeping the mother alive. You know, maybe he just really loved his mother that much.
0: Tell me, doctor, how do do members of the medical community separate themselves from the what happens at work to their personal lives. How do you you draw that line?
2: Well, I've never drawn that line. I drew that line. I love my patients. Mm -hmm. I have never had problems with them, even in the case I just described. Right. I often did house calls to her. I hospitalized her a number of times, and we were very friendly. And it came as a surprise to me when he sued me. Um, I come home and I feel comfortable about what I did. Uh, Many doctors do feel that way. Mm -hmm. There are some doctors who are agitated and angry angry at what they had to do during the day, but I think most of us, if we practice for a while, learn to adjust.
0: What do you think the the listeners who are listening to this show, Dr., right across the United States and around the world, can actually do to, to better increase their quality of life. And when it comes to it, when, when should we call it quits and, and allow those that we love pass to the other side?
2: That's a good question. And, of course, we talk about that for hours in the Bioethics Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, when should we call it quits? When it's obvious that we, that person, uh, the loved one or the person themselves, will never get better, why should we suffer? And even if we're not suffering, if we're comatose, mm-hmm. we're destroying the health care system in the United States by overutilizing it, keeping tens of thousands of people alive who are actually nothing more than corpses and would continue, would Die the instant you took away the machines and the ventilators and the uh, IVs, taking up tremendous hospital time, and which could be used by people who uh, will get better, going to emergency rooms and, and jamming up the emergency rooms uh, where people who need it wouldn't get wouldn't get the services they should get. I think we have to have a realistic single-payer system that has a single set of rules and that everybody can follow.
0: I was wondering, sir, if you could give me your thoughts on Dr. Kevorkian.
2: Uh, Dr. Kevorkian, interestingly enough, when he was still practicing, I had a television uh, discussion with him via a... a I was in California. Mm -hmm. He was in Chicago and the uh, moderator was in New York, and we were discussing through the moderator. In those days, I didn't agree with him. Uh, as you know, three states now have uh, make it legal to allow people to die. Yes. Um, and Gavorki uh, went to jail not because he was allowing people to die or even giving them the medicines, but because he pulled the trigger. Yeah i one patient. Uh, I've had two patients who died from medicines I gave them. I didn't intend to kill them. Mm-hmm. They accumulated and saved the medicines. How do you know that a person is saving medicines to kill themselves? You don't. They're very depressed. Yes, you're worried about them. Sure. And both of them were found dead with my bottles, sometimes several years old, strewn in the floor, empty and it was obvious that they were taking all the medicines at once and had saved them up Mm -hmm. over the years Uh, I have they were both miserable people from their own uh, life situations and I knew they were Um, you don't know uh, what's going to happen and as a physician you try to limit what you do for patients in terms of medicines, you remind them. Now, I take time. Unfortunately, uh, many doctors don't have that time. Uh, I take time. I've made a nice living, even though I've limited the number of patients I see in a day. Mm -hmm. And I always explain the medicine and the side effects that could happen and often tell them you don't need that medicine.
0: You said that when I asked you about Dr. and you said in those days I didn't agree with him. What changed your mind?
2: Um, I think over the years I could see the suffering that my patients were doing. Mm. I never gave anybody a pill to kill themselves. Right. Don't do that even now. But uh, the change I made was withholding life support in situations where a person uh was semi-comatose or obviously uh uh, essentially dead Uh, and um well a good example is the shivo case if you remember that one uh where the woman woman's husband wanted to let her go and the family didn't want to let her go when she died the uh, autopsy showed that her brain was about a third of the size of the normal, so she wasn't uh, a, a human and human being anymore. She was a, an organism. Mm.
0: You know, it's it, it's it's a very delicate, uh, from what I understand, a very delicate role that that doctors and and those within the medical medical community play these days because of the 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 scrutiny and yet like you've got big pharma pushing the pills you've got moms and dads who god bless them and, and other people who who just want to pass on you've got the family who are saying no keep them going you've got the government who is saying listen this is costing us way too much money you've got the insurance companies saying we're not going to pay for this what What do people do when these crises arise? Who can they go to for help
2: it's a good question uh, as a biomedical ethicist, I suggest that they go to the mm-hmm. uh doctor first right and then to the biomedical uh committee uh where their family is, either the local hospital or the nursing home and discuss the issues it, it, we haven't resolved them yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're with us, you know. Uh, we'll always have problems. As soon as we solve one, there'll be another one. And uh, that's what life is. You know, we we just have to discuss them openly yep. and try to deal with them.
0: Dr. Kirscher, please stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Exonation. Dr. Melvin Kirschner is our very special guest this hour. He's the author of Medicines Are Poison, making your way through the medical minefield. His website is www.allmedicinesarepoison.com. Dr. Kirshner and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell. Don't go away.
1: each night of his charm.
0: Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Melvin Kirshner is our special guest this hour. He is the author of Medicines Are Poison, Making Your Way Through the Medical Minefield. His website is www.allmedicinesarepoison.com. Dr. Kirshner, what are your views about alternative medicine?
2: Uh, Well, you know, I'm a scientist.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And scientists don't validate anything unless they can have proof. Alternative medicine uh, is treatment with either medicines or procedures that have never been proved. A number of them have been disproved,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but you know people will do what they want to do. Once in a while, an alternative treatment or medicine proves to be valid. I'll give you an example of glucosamine and chondroitin. That was on the alternative medicine list for years. And then it was discovered that it probably did help uh, help arthritis. My own uh, rheumatologist gave it to me. It didn't help me, but it must help some people because the rheumatologists believe it. Mm. Uh, so a process that proves itself is no longer alternative medicine. It's standard medicine. Alternative medicine is medicine's that have not and procedures that have not proven themselves um in today's paper there was a full page ad about uh, by a chiropractor telling us that he can manipulate uh, almost any uh, spine and cure the uh, problem without surgery uh maybe he can i don't know but i doubt it alternative medicine is unproven techniques, and as a scientist uh you must have proof for everything you do mm-hmm. if you don't have proof, it's experimental, and it's not you're not for sure
0: but what about these these naturopathic doctors um or holistic doctors uh, are are they any uh you know do they hold any validity with you and the members of the scientific community
2: no uh, they, they cannot prove uh, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that means double-blind studies, uh, various different patients, uh, the full scientific technique that's used to prove something. if you can't prove, matter of fact, there's many drugs being taken off the market. Because the studies that were done to get them on the market were probably not adequate. And now they're going off the market because the science didn't prove their value. So, you know, as a scientist, Mm -hmm. show me the proof.
0: Or as the lady used to say on the Wendy's commercial, where's the beef? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. Dr.
0: Right. Kirschner, I, I, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight, sir. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. Congratulations on your book, Medicines Are Poison you. Making Your Way Through the Medical Minefield. Exonation for more information on Dr. Melvin Kirschner, or if you'd like to get a copy of Medicines Are Poison Making Your Way Through the Medical Minefield visit the good doctor's website at www.allmedicinesarepoison.com. That's www.allmedicinesarepoison.com. Well, this is it, the final segment of the Exxon. I'll be back tomorrow night as once again we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the x-zone So until tomorrow night, x-zone Nation, take care of each other and always remember that, you know, it doesn't hurt to do a good deed. And if you can help somebody out, Why not? And remember always keep your eyes to the sky and your heart to the light. Good night now.